0: Welcome to the Gen Z Stoic Podcast,
1: where every week we strive to lead younger generations on a path to virtue through the insight of Stoic teachings and personal stories from our lives as Gen Z Stoics. Welcome to this week's episode of the Gen Z Stoic Podcast. I'm your co-host Ren. I'm your co-host Mateo. And today we're going to be covering a lot of different topics. We're going to be taking a step back. We've done some hard-hitting episodes on war and cancel culture and some kind of social issue things that obviously are more controversial than just simply stoicism. So today we're going to be taking a step back, taking it kind of lightly, allowing a
0: stoic reset. Stoic reset, and that's exactly where... That's, that, that's good. That's exactly, you know, what we're going to do today. And I think we have a few topics of discussion that we sort of just wanted to bring up um, stoically. However... Um, like you said, it's gonna be lighter, it's gonna be more of just open discussion, uh less polling from you know actual texts we'll be referring to philosophers absolutely, but I know there was a certain topic that you wanted to bring up probably to start off with. So I'll let you get started and then we can go from there. Yeah, so this week for me has been kind of
1: fun because I've been sick all week. So I've been sleeping all week. And so I've had a lot of time to reflect on my personal beliefs towards stoicism and the podcast itself and One thing that keeps coming up for me is the common misconceptions of Stoicism. I think now, obviously, it's hard when we post clips and they're 60 seconds long to capture the true essence of what Stoicism is and like a Stoic perspective on the topic. And so it's, you know, it's kind of hard to portray that so that people can get an accurate result. So if somebody comes in and has a Stoic misconception or a misconception about Stoicism, rather, then that's understandable. But there's been a lot of misconceptions that I've been thinking about that I think are commonly held by people when they hear about Stoicism. Uh, the first one, ob- obviously, being the emotional elimination versus regulation. That's the one that I think most enrages me because maybe not enraged, but it's just frustrating because if you look up stoicism and go to any reputable academic website, the first thing I'll say is it's about m- emotional regulation, not emotional elimination. And that's something for me that kind of is an irritant at times. Now, it's not necessarily something we get responded to a lot with where we're saying, oh, it's, you know, emotional elimination, because we're very clear. And there's a reason behind that. There's a reason behind our intentionality with that definition is because it's one of the most important misconceptions to get out of the way. And so it's why, you know, we have to clarify it here. So I think as with anything, you know, with stoicism, like take five seconds to do some research. Five seconds isn't even research, but look up stoicism. It's not about emotional elimination. It's about emotional regulation, because without emotions, I think you can't be a functional human being, obviously. And so it's about emotional regulation. So there's a lot of misconceptions about stoicism that I've thought about this week. There's just one of them. And I think it's frustrating because we try to do a good job eliminating these misconceptions and giving the most accurate view of stoicism from our lens as 19 year old and an 18 year old, just the most accurate view possible. And yet still, you kind of run into these issues, which obviously you're not going to solve the world's problems with just one simple podcast but it gets frustrating at times and so that's something that you, like you said I've been thinking about a well,
0: lot about a lot this week and we're going to kind of lead with the one thing I would like to add about why the reason I think a lot of people believe that is we see the people who do have a lot of influence talking about stoicism and they're like you need to have no emotion and so it's like okay well then you're kind of putting out this false narrative about what Stoicism is. So I guess we're trying to correct that. And we're using evidence and readings directly from, you know, Seneca, Aurelius, Epictetus, doesn't matter. And we're saying, no, this isn't actually what they want. Um, they're more talking about, you know, just have to analyze the emotion and then process it and then act in a logical way that makes sense. So like you said, I'm not really going to repeat anything you said, because you pretty much covered all of the points, but another Stoic misconception is that and we talked about this but is being 100 percent stoic like an only stoic um there are many great aspects to life and stoicism is not like the one way of life that you should live by um i interestingly like it's definitely a good soul you know leader in the way you live but it shouldn't be the only thing you live by like you should explore other you know ideologies and belief systems and one, this isn't necessarily something that I've looked into much, but in one of my philosophy classes, I mean, right now we've been reading a lot of Plato, and of course, because Plato's a pretty typical philosopher um, in the education system. But interestingly enough, like I'm trying to approach it pretty unbiased and sort of take away what I can objectively. And I'll be honest, like he has some, he has some pretty good points about like what the soul is and what virtue means, and it's not stoic. It's called like Pl- Platonism, Platonism. Um, is like, it's like his own thing of philosophy, but, but it's pretty interesting. But so the point I'm trying to make is don't only stick within the, uh, confides of stoicism. There are definitely other things to explore. I mean, there's all kinds of philosophy. There's like existentialism, which I've always found to be relatively interesting. It just makes you think in different ways. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of, you know, different kinds of philosophy out there and just other ways of thinking that you should explore if you are curious and should and want to learn more because stoicism it, it can get repetitive at times, but it is very applicable to every situation, usually, which is why we kind of like it. We can usually tackle most problems with stoicism. But if you're curious, and I would recommend this by all means, is exploring your other options.
1: Yeah, no. And I think it's interesting that you mentioned like kind of your classes, because if we were to sit up here and say that stoicism is the answer you should look at, it would kind of be like the education system which only talks about Plato and Aristotle and Socrates. And doesn't really go down like Epicureanism or Stoicism or some like more, I wouldn't say obscure, but not mainstream ideas, right? They only emphasize like specific philosophers instead of emphasizing like the whole scope. Um, like for example, there are obviously specific classes in the education system on this, but if you were like an introduction introduction to philosophy, I feel like at times like Taoism or some of these like non Western philosophies. Now, I don't really agree with those, like Confucianism. Obviously, I don't really agree or see eye to eye with people who believe in those Confucianism kind of ideals, but it's not emphasized the same. And I think the point to be made here is that even if, you know, you're reading something and you disagree with it, if it's like nihilism with Nitschke or something like that, where you disagree with it, I think at times, especially with philosophy, it's almost as helpful to know what not to think and what you disagree with than to know what guides your life and what you do agree with. And so my point is kind of building off what you said, is that any philosophy, reading any philosophy is actually good for you. Even if it's something where it's like the most far out there thing that many people don't agree with and many people have discredited, it's still worthwhile to know, like, this was a movement at some time. Like, I'll take like the German Enlightenment movement, for an example. Many people say that it set philosophy back generations. And I don't really, A, I will be honest, I haven't read that much Kant and Hegel. I've read some, but not. I'm not well versed in it. So I'm not going to speak exactly to what they say, but they're they're discredited. A lot of people don't like them. And yet reading them is still worthwhile to know, hey, this is where society was at in terms of like the German Enlightenment movement. And so it's an historical account. So, And I think the more that you read, the more you're actually able to gain that perspective where you say, okay, well, this is written. It sounds nice. I disagree with it. Here's why. Now, when you're a beginner, right, and you're thrown right into the depths of philosophy, you might think, well, this is the coolest thing ever. And it's actually like terrible ideology. It's like Marxism or something. And and then you just build your skills up over time. So your point is correct. Stoicism, it's a great way to look at life. It's obviously the thing that we most have resonated with. But both of us have read other schools of philosophy. We read other philosophy all the time. It's just stoicism is what resonated with us the most. And so that's what we teach. That's what we emphasize, because it's helped us both out of very dark places. And, But with that being said, the reality is, is there's a ton of other schools of philosophy. There's a ton of other philosophical works out there. So be sure to go check them out. We don't want to use this platform and the podcast to say, this is Stoicism. This is the end all be all, yada, yada, yada. And the second point you made is you don't need to be Stoic 100% of the time to consider yourself a Stoic. We talk all the time about how Stoics stoics and stoicism is progress over perfection. So with that argument being true, right, it's logical that you could say, hey, well, if you have some non-stoic moments, you don't have a stoic perspective on this certain issue, that's fine. I can even admit on some things I think about my personal beliefs, so I'm like, that doesn't really necessarily align with what Stoicism believes. I think we've gotten too much with these other channels and other kind of philosophy philosophy podcasts where they're like, you have to do this all the time. Here's all the beliefs that align with it. So when we're presenting these things like stoic perspective on like wealth, maybe, or all these episodes we've done, yes, is that our, is that our perspective? Yes. But we don't have a 100% stoic perspective all the time, both of us. Uh, Ryan Holiday, I'm not going to speak for him, but I would imagine he has some non-stoic moments and he has some perspectives that maybe don't necessarily align with the historical teachings of stoicism. That's the beauty of philosophy is while these are ancient texts, you know, written long times ago that have lots of wisdom, there's also times where they're unwise and we disagree. And I think one of the thoughts that I had this week is we need to emphasize that more because I think that provides a truer and more kind of relatable perspective on philosophy, which in turn, hopefully increases the people watching this episode and increases their engagement towards philosophy. Because instead of saying, here's this perfect school that you have to emulate all the time, why don't you go check out other schools as well? And why don't you just make your beliefs adjusted to Stoicism, but don't make Stoicism kind of influence all of your beliefs in a sense.
0: And then to consider yourself Stoic, to be a practicing Stoic, obviously we're not perfect. That's sort of also sort of a misconception we've got that we've like received is like, oh, you have to be perfect and hardcore and you can't be caught slipping up being a Stoic because then like you're not Stoic. And it's like, let's let's be honest. that's That's not realistic. It's not possible to be 100% stoic and react perfectly to every situation to never make a mistake because you're stoic it's actually when you make mistakes and when you do fail it's being stoic that helps you get through that so it's acknowledging more that these bad like these setbacks not bad things um these setbacks and hardships are going to come your way but it's being stoic that helps you get through them it's not being stoic prevents the hardships it's when they do arrive, how can you get over them? That's sort of something um that I wanted to address just because it's easy, especially, you know, with the mainstream people who advocate for stoicism, it's it's easy to believe that, you know, once you start practicing stoicism, you are never, like, you're just going to have a perfect life. You're going to be perfectly responding to every situation. You're going to be analyzing every emotion, lickety-split, and then acting righteously all the time. That's, let's be honest, there's all we've all made mistakes, clearly, because we're all human. So there's just no point in believing in something perfect. That's not because stoicism isn't perfect. Like we said, there's definitely flaws. And there's definitely things we don't agree with, like we're mentioning, it's important to address those. And so building off of what you said, now, when you said that uh, we shouldn't base everything that we believe off of stoicism, you're absolutely correct. While we shouldn't have a belief system formed solely off of stoicism, I believe, that Stoicism should certainly play a role in our beliefs, but it shouldn't be the decider, like you said. Um, There there was one other thing that I wanted to add just about, I guess, the misconception when people say, you know, Stoics are always very serious. Uh, It's very easy to seem like Stoics are always serious or always very focused. I guarantee Stoics were not always, you know, like... Let's go. You know what I mean? They, they weren't always like, we need to do this. We have duties. We have duties. We have duties. It's, it's okay to sort of sit back and just like take a moment and just have fun with your friends because the Stoics said that being with your friends and family and sharing laughs and those memories were actually great times. Those are some of the most valued moments in life is the one that you share with the people you love. So that's already telling you that you don't need to be serious all the time. It's okay to sort of be yourself being stoic you don't have to be stoic every everywhere in your life and every single situation there are times where it's okay to just be human and just feel the emotions that stoics didn't deem to be harmful to the soul and it's it's really all about marketing
1: when you think about like these stoic channels the thumbnails are all these statuesque like roman emperors and things people who are muscular all these things and I think the difference you know we do the same thing as well usually it's not like some random ai generated statue it's like an actual philosopher but the important thing with marketing is to give stoicism a regular face and name and not wanting to talk about like our looks here or anything like that but i feel like we're two pretty average looking human beings we're pretty average people and i think these channels while there are good channels like the daily stoic and others who do a really good job highlighting stoicism there's also channels who just kind of make these ai videos that categorize stoicism into something that it's really not. And I think some of those problems are classifying stoicism into hustler culture and these things where, oh, do stoicism. It's your quick path to success to get rich. That's not what stoicism is about. It's about a fulfilling life, not this is your quick path to success. That's not stoicism as much as people want to label it as that. That's not stoicism whatsoever. And also this like masculine man, like, all of these things. Now, obviously, we've argued for having masculine men in the past. That's something we both believe. But I think one final misconception I'd like to highlight is that stoicism is just for men. It's something that I'm actually very passionate about. Is that we need to do a better job marketing stoicism to everybody, that men and women, because if we have only one half of society right practicing these values and the other half doesn't, there's going to be a disconnect, and we can't have that. We need a functional society. And so I think all of this to say is that we need to maybe change the marketing of stoicism. That's something that I think if there is like a conclusion from my kind of rabbit hole of research this week is the marketing of stoicism is very interesting. It's almost the hustler culture. Like, I know you like Amon Ghazi, but I have some problems with him and like that kind of marketing and this, here's 10 quick ways to get rich, follow the step plan, follow what I did. There's a little bit of that in stoicism, especially as how we market stoic videos, especially on YouTube that I've researched this week. And we kind of need to change that because those appeal, I feel like, more to men. Those are definitely a more male appealing. The thumbnails, the messaging, the get rich quick, like drive these fast cars. Here's your models of what to do appeals to men more, and it also portrays stoicism in a light I don't think it should be, because Stoics did not care. They were indifferent. I, I won't say they didn't care, but they were indifferent towards material wealth, and so these. Do these nine things that a Stoic would do to become immensely successful, to become vastly rich, which are videos that are out there, are horrible for the school of philosophy that is Stoicism because it's an inaccurate representation. And the unfortunate part is that those ones get the views. And, you know, we've always said we're not about the views, we're about just making an impact on whatever the size of audience we have. But it is frustrating, at least from my perspective, if I can be honest for a second here, that those kind of channels get views instantly. They play to the algorithms with the AI and everything. And it's an inaccurate representation of Stoicism. Sometimes you can tell that whoever made the video did not care to read Stoicism whatsoever. And we come in here, we're very intentional about we've read in depth a lot of Stoic texts. We continually try to learn, even though we have that understanding already. We're continuing trying to learn new things about the School of Philosophy. And we're very intentional with what we say and accurately representing Stoicism. And trying to portray it to a contemporary modern world. And there's not as much viewership. So I think, if anything, these misconceptions that I talk about are a call to say if we really want Stoicism to blow up in a sense, if we really want it to go mainstream, A, it's not just going to be us, obviously, doing that for our generation. There's got to be other people. You can't just have rely on one podcast to do that. Daily Stoic hasn't done that. So we need kind of a movement there. And the way that we do that is being very intentional with our marketing no matter what your podcast is. So it's kind of me saying to other podcasts like, hey, let's check in here and make sure that you are actually accurately representing Stoicism. Because the way that we highlight and address that we can market Stoicism to women is we change the marketing so that it's actually appealing to them. And it's not like, look at these like buffed up statues who are not realistic pictures of Marcus Aurelius or Seneca or any Stoic philosopher. forever. And here's how to get immensely successful. Let's just return in the core historic values. Let's explain them. And let's not just do these AI generated BS videos. It's kind of my conclusion.
0: Well, it's good because it's sort of the idea that like we're putting, it's sort of how it appears to people versus what the content actually is. It's all for views. It's all for, you know, the marketing purpose. And it really actually has no substance once you actually kind of delve into what those videos are or, you know, what the readings are. And it's interesting that you mentioned Amon because like not to delve too deep into that, but you're right. There's certainly aspects where it's like, I mean, come on, we all know that this isn't feasible. You're really just putting this out there to get views and to get people to come by your course and to come by your stuff, which isn't a stoic thing to do at all. Like stoics wouldn't chase. They wouldn't advertise something. I wouldn't say falsely, but that's sort of like twisted in a sense. It's like almost too good to be true. Like it's not it's not fully correct. It's not false, but they're not telling you the whole truth. It's like a stoic wouldn't do anything like that just to gain material wealth. That actually goes completely against what stoics are for. So, and there's more, you know, and this isn't hating on Amon or any anyone like that, but it's saying that I, it's certainly fair to say that money has sort of changed people like once people see money, they'll totally change and they will do anything to keep getting more money. A stoic could get a million dollars and would still be stoic. Just because he has a million dollars doesn't mean he's gonna stop you know living by those values and doing what he says. Because he knows that the greatest virtue in life is not material wealth, it's the wealth that you have on the inside in your soul and your heart, right, and your mind. So, yes, yeah, moving away from this, I actually had a question to ask you because I was thinking about this and I want to know your opinion. But What do you think the Stoic take on, so we know that, like you mentioned, the hustle culture and like this obsessive grind, and we know, let's take example, David Goggins, right? Insanely mentally strong, dude, probably one of the mentally strongest people on the planet, right? What do you think Stoics would say about like an obsession towards, like an outcome like he is right it's not even the outcome it's just like being so obsessed with the grind being so obsessed with the process what do you think you know seneca or aurelius would have to say about being so like obsessed with that you know what i mean
1: i think there is an argument to be made here that there's a difference between david goggins being obsessed with what he's obsessed with and like traditional hustle culture being so obsessed with the grind and all those things because what i've noticed in the hustle culture is people do it for attention It seems like, like, Goggins obviously films a lot, but there's a lot we don't know about Goggins. Like, there's a lot where Goggins is doing stuff where he's not filming it. And we learn about it because somebody tells the story. And I think there's a huge difference there. You name-dropped Goggins, and so that's why I'm kind of going into that. At least with Goggins, personally. Yes, does he film a lot of stuff? Like, um, I really loved when he was training Tony Ferguson for his latest MMA fight, and they were documenting all that. So does he film a lot of stuff? yes. Does he seem obsessed at times? Yes. Does it seem like a little bit too much at times? Yes. But the reality is, is he is just chasing a a purpose and he's just chasing, like you said, this obsession of outcome. And I think Stoics would not really necessarily mind that. And so we don't see the full David Goggins. So it's hard to comment on, you know, if we 100% Stoics would get behind that or not, but I would like to imagine that David Goggins is a person who for all of his hard work and grinding stuff, when the cameras are off, like he goes home and he goes home to his family and he's a very loving person and all of those things. So I think he has the full picture. And I think that's what the key is, is the full picture is being obsessed with the grind, but also being able to take a step back at times and kind of pay attention to family, like you said, or pay attention to friends. So there's that distinction. And then there's the distinction of hustle culture, like I'm and all these people who just film everything and are always constantly 100% marketing themselves. Because I think those are two markers of kind of hustle culture that I really hate and I think Stoics would be against. Um, If you're doing, like, you're obsessed with this outcome, but it's only for the camera and your camera's always rolling, it's a fake obsession. And it's something where you're selling a false narrative, and I think that's something that you really can't get behind. And it's interesting, we talk about all these kind of, like, personalities. And I think talking like thinking about this marketing thing and how do you portray yourself, I think we talked about cancel culture last week. And I think it's very important to actually apply some of those principles to celebrities because we need to hold celebrities more accountable than the average person because their words hold more weight. And so I want to use Sam Sulek as an actually an example here. It seems like everybody knows Sam Sulek. I sure hope so. But- you should if you
0: don't, you should know Sam.
1: Sam is one of those people who everybody says oh we made the right person famous and I think we don't have a lot of that nowadays we have to really be clear about saying oh we really made the right person famous this time because we make a lot of the wrong people famous because for every Sam Sulek there's like Jake Paul who has ruined boxing because of what he's done in my opinion he's a real drag on the sport and he's a terrible person in truth so I think mentioning Sam Sulek is important here because Sam Sulik is a model for what I think kind of celebrities are like. And it's, you know, if you're talking about obsessed with the outcome, he was obsessed with the outcome long before he went famous, long before he started filming, long before he started doing all of these things. He was obsessed with the outcome and he kind of got there. Now, whether he did that naturally or through copious amounts of steroids, I'm not going to say, but he was obsessed with the outcome and then he kind of got there and decided I'm going to share my journey and I'm going to help people out. And I think that's what hustle culture should be. Get to your hustle first, get it done first, and then help people do the same thing. Not being like, I'm going to film every step of the journey, follow this plan with me, pay for it, yada, yada, yada. Like Sam Sulik's not doing that. And I think proper representation, if I'm going to end my answer to your question here, of like hustle culture and something Stoics can get behind is something maybe like the Sam Sulik model, I might like to call it. you're obsessed with the outcome you get to a good place where you can say i've kind of gotten the outcome you don't stop working at that point obviously but then once you get to that place where like you have really really visible results then just out of the goodness of your heart starting to film and do things to truthfully help people and genuinely help people i think that's an appropriate hustle culture that stokes could get behind
0: that's that's honestly a good example using Sam look is great because let's be honest we all know that sam has impressive numbers and I'm like it you know there's a lot of people that lift like pretty solid weight, but Sam lifts like heinous weight easily, so to see someone who has results, and let's be honest, and this is a specific example to Sam, but whether he's natural or not doesn't take away from the fact that he is probably one of the most disciplined gym goers on the planet earth, right um so whether it's natural or not the the very the hard work that he's put into that can't be taken away but the the point i was trying to make is because we see that he has results that's why we're willing to listen and that's exactly why your point is valid is because you said you kind of have to get that outcome first and then help people because if you write like you could be and i'll use this example like let's say you were you know, obese and trying to lose weight, but you hadn't exactly lost a lot of weight yet, but you were still using the right models. Well, as a society, because we're so we want we like to see proof of evidence before we take someone's word for something, we're going to say, Oh, well, they haven't really had results yet. So we're not really going to listen to them. But they could be offering all the right advice. We like to see people who have acted sort of achieved somewhat of an outcome and then listen to them as they show us the process. So that's exactly why you're correct is because while we do need that hustle culture where you know people are helping each other out once they've got there we need people to get there first. We don't see it today like all these let's be honest we all we all really dislike a lot of influencers okay we we know they're not really contributing to the betterment of society. Yes I said it I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. But a lot of these influencers don't they're not sharing a process or they're not they're not helping to the betterment of society. A lot of them. Right? It's really just like you said, marketing yourself for what? There there really is no purpose here. A lot of these people are just famous because of like who they are, but there's really no substance. I've met and being in LA has really changed my perspective on this. Because before, being in a small town, I was we we sort of is I can see why it's easy to look up to like famous people or be like inspired or be like man like I wish I could live that person's life. I've met a ton of what I used to deem like famous people who have a ton of followers, right? And then I've I, may, I meet these people in person and they're just normal people who really don't have that much to them and I'm not judging, right? But I'm saying you we we attribute substance to the amount of followers someone has Now we're like, Oh, they have half a million followers, they must be an amazing person who's curing world hunger, exaggerating a little bit, but you get my point. And having met like and been surrounded by a lot of these people, I sort of realized, I don't really understand why these people have so many followers, if they're really just, you know, I I really don't understand it. You know, I want to see people who have a large audience have substance or be promoting some sort of value to, you know, to to the people around them to their communities. But I feel like the reason that a lot of people have a lot of followers is because they're li- or pretending or portraying a lifestyle that they're living that a lot of people are envious of. And so we tend to follow these people, right? And everyone does it, We we want to live the lives of people that we think are living the lives that we want. So But a lot of the people that are living the lives are not actually promoting value. They're just showing the results of the life that they're living or pretending to live. We might not even know if they're living in the first place. But the reason that I like your example of Sulik is because we can clearly see that he is credible, right? He's reputable as we know, you know, he's super strong. He looks fantastic. But then he's showing us the process. He's giving us value. He's giving like millions of people, millions of gym goers, inspiration, tips, value and just overall, you know, motivation to just be better. It's really hard to watch a Sam Sulek video and hate the guy. He's just honest and he's himself. That's also why it works. A lot of influencers that I've met are just they're very fake. They're very, they're very superficial. I can't really tell who they actually are. When you have a genuine influencer in a high position of influence and whose words really matter and they are them their genuine selves, that goes a long way and that makes a big, big difference. And that's exactly why Sulik blew up so fast is because he was just himself going to the gym. He record, If you don't know who Sam Sulik is, he records himself driving to the gym, lifting, driving home. That's about it. And you're like, well, why would anyone watch that? Because in between, he's giving you Tips, or he's giving you advice, or he's just talking you through things. He's just being a very genuine human. And that's what we need more of is genuine hustle culture, not this fake, you know, pretending to hustle, flexing the money. No one, no one cares. Well, well and too. that's,
1: that's stoic, right? Is being genuine, being responsible for your actions, and being accountable. Those are three things that Sam Sulek does. And those are three things that are not really common in influencer culture. So that's, that's the difference. And I think when we always, you know, are doing this podcast, we're always striving to uphold those things. Like we're coming on here. We're our genuine selves. We're not a character or mirage or something that we turn off as soon as the podcast ends. No, we talk about stoicism throughout the week. This is our genuine selves. We hold each other accountable and we hold each other responsible. And to that end, I think it's good for the last five minutes, maybe to do some mailbag from our YouTube comments, uh, kind of transition. And I think we talked about cancel culture last week. We honestly, I I will say this, we do get some hate on a lot of our clips and that's fine. And I think some of the critiques we get are actually proof to my point that, you know, we're using this platform and decrying cancel culture because we want civil, like the engagement and civil debate, civil discourse. And so these comments are proof of that, that, you know, on the internet, you know, you do get a lot of hate, you can't really win on the internet. But I love when people take the time to, if they're going to critique us, um, at least taking the time to like make a logical point and not an emotional point or poke fun or any of those things. So with that being said, I think my favorite example of this is now this is going to be a long one. And I told you before the episode, I wasn't going to read it, but I'll read some of it. Um, Shadow star uh, this is a clip about you like being offensive in the Jordan Peterson quote is talking about social exclusion, not being the same thing as free speech and freedom of consequences and all those things. And you deserve to suffer social backlash if your comment does not align with the masses. And I think this was a really good example of this kind of civil disagreement, as this person took the time to write a very long paragraph. I will admit, very long paragraph. But it wasn't like, you guys are dumb, or this is a stupid point. It's just simple disagreement. And I think this is a model hopefully, of kind of the disagreement that we can get on the podcast. Now, obviously, we would love it if 100% of people agreed with us and they're like, yeah, you guys are right. You're speaking facts. So that's great. But A, that's not how you build personal growth. And B, I think it's good that we're getting this because it allows me to sit here and say, this is what we want. This proves the point that we can say these maybe controversial things and people aren't going at us and saying, where does this person go to school or where does he work? Blah, 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 blah. blah. They're like, let's leave this comment. Let's discuss. Let's And so I think to that end, when we're talking about kind of social exclusion versus freedom of speech, which is what you name-dropped in that, and I think that's where this person was going with it, freedom of speech, yes, doesn't necessarily, you know, protect yourself from consequences, but it's again, and I talked about this in the episode, it's all about proportionality of response. Social exclusion over a simple opinion is never the right answer. So, um, well, maybe it's not like the government guaranteeing you're free of consequences from your actions by like regulating social media companies. It's not what I'm saying. You know, I'm somebody who's very, very, very small government. And so I think that they should stay out of social media company regulations. But I think if we're talking about like personal responsibility, if you are somebody who says this opinion is not aligned with the masses, let's implement a plan of social exclusion, you're part of the problem. And so I'm not saying that this person's part of the problem whatsoever. We don't know this person, so can't really say that. But by your go-to being let's socially exclude this person instead of let's educate this person you become part of the issue because you generate a less educated community well a good
0: stoic response to that is the best revenge is to be unlike the enemy so it's like while you're like sort of doing the same thing you're not you're sort of being you're still like you said part of the problem and i really appreciated that this 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 comment because it made me think because it was on it was on one of the shorts where i was speaking and I, I sort of I like read the whole thing and I was like okay this is actually interesting that the, like this person interpreted the video this way and then you can go back and like watch yourself talk and like see where they got that from but also and I, you did this and this was a great idea but we started posting like on our YouTube shorts and our clips is saying if you're seeing this clip we encourage you to check out the entire episode because it's very easy to see a clip and then take it the wrong way so I just wanted to throw that out there
1: yeah no and um while well, I just spent like five minutes hyping up people who commented even if they were negative in a kind of civil way where we can respond um i do i'm now going to spend five minutes going the opposite way where people just comment like one thing and then don't take the time to listen to the episode that's why we put it on there is for people who maybe disagree with what we said in that 60 seconds I would like to think that maybe they take the time to listen to maybe not the whole 40-minute episode because people are busy and I understand that, but maybe find the section that that clip was in and take the context, watch the 10 minutes and then see if you still disagree. And you might. like You are well within your rights to disagree still, but we're providing the information out there so that people can disagree with us to the fullest of their abilities by listening to everything we say instead of just taking those 60 second clips. So we're definitely going to clip this, but When we put that on there, if you're seeing this clip, be sure to watch the video. Please watch the video. Very pretty, please, you know, with a bow on top and everything. Please watch the video because we say these 60 second things and it's kind of like they're taken out of context, kind of not. We have a lot of controversial opinions, so it's probably going to go right down the middle. 50% of people agree, 50% of people disagree. But the final statement around that is that's great that 50 it's 50, 50. And we're obviously going to argue for the side we agree with, and we expect people to do the same. But if you're going to do that, our one request is that you actually watch the episode, not so we can get more views or get more watch time or any of that, but just so we can have more civil disengagement, like civil disagreements. Instead of people saying, look at this 30 second thing of what this kid said. He's a moron.
0: Which we have received multiple times, by the way, which fair enough. Like, that's fine. You have the freedom to do that. But also that goes to the episode that we had about opinions, right? Is if you're going to base your opinion off of a 60 second clip and then put it out there instead of actually reading or like listening to our podcast or like part of the, even like 10 minutes of the episode is better than 60 minutes or, or 60 seconds. So even just going and listening and then forming your opinion instead of just watching the 60 second clip and then putting the opinion out, it kind of speaks for itself, right? And then a lot of these comments like that we've gotten and we've received, we can admit are like, we don't really even need to address them to like make the point that like they're they're kind of pointless and immature comments. It's just like a classic internet troll, basically, is what we've received on a few, which is fine. It's, it's really not that deep, but it sort of speaks for itself. If you understand the message that we're saying, right, and if you understand like what the deeper meaning is behind why we're saying it, and, like what stoicism is, you would understand that these comments like it it's it kind of speaks for itself like the comment doesn't need a response it doesn't need a reaction i don't know if that's what they're trying to spark or invoke out of us but the point is is the reason that we haven't like really taken it to heart is because we know that they they speak for themselves
1: and the point of all this is to say that through negative and positive comments through comments that are more well educated than others and more well formed than others we're excited to be at this point where we are getting some some engagement some debate in the comments. We're excited for that point. It's been a great month of January, our best month yet. And so for all the hate we receive, we also receive love. For all the negative comments we receive, we also receive positive comments. And we're here for all of it is a point we're trying to make. We're here for all of it. We're here for including all of it on the podcast. And we're going to continue to work and continue to improve the podcast until we get to a point where we are bringing Stoicism to the masses. And to tie up this episode together and summarize, Once we get to that point, we need to make sure that we hold ourselves accountable, responsible, and our genuine selves, like we said, and our marketing stoicism correctly. So if you have any comments towards that end, that'd be very helpful. Always keep us in check, but we are going to do our damnedest to make sure we represent stoicism the best way we can in the most average and relatable way we can, because that is the goal of the Gen Z Stoic Podcast. And with that being said, this has been this week's episode. Thank you for listening, as always.